Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Lower the bar, please. Lower whatever expectations you might have for this particular program as low as you can reach. Because I'm about to talk about the one subject that brings out the base humanity in all of us who follow this particular franchise, the AFC North. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates that I hope you'll check out. The AFC North will be won in 2022 by the Browns. Oh, wait, no. It's the Browns or the Ravens. And this is according to PointsBet, which, understand, does not make predictions. There's no line setting anywhere that engages in making predictions. It's not a room full of guys or girls sitting around a table uh, coming together on, hmm, this is it. This is the way it's going to be. All they're doing is taking and tabulating the money. So this is Betor's money. To date, the line changes as circumstances change and additional bets get placed. Simple as that. There's nothing uh, to finger wag over here. It's not like when people say the the Vegas line has so-and-so up by, I don't know, eight and a half points. What are they thinking? It's not they. It's not the line. It's the bettors. Well, I guess in that context, you can kind of wag a finger at the bettors and then laugh a whole lot when they lose a ton of money. Now, I am not a gambling person person. I don't have a moral problem with it or anything. I just don't know anything about it and haven't really done it other than one really bad, bad evening at a Montreal casino in which I lost 150 bucks and it felt like I'd lost my house. I don't know if any of you have ever experienced something like that. It's just the worst way to lose money because then I spent the next four hours trying to get my 150 bucks back. Anyway, the Betors have the Ravens and Browns at plus 200, each of them. So they're co-favored, according to the Betors, to win the division. Now, I have no idea what plus 200 means. I'm not lying to you when I say I don't know about gambling. But I do know enough that the higher those plus numbers go, the less your chances. Which seems kind of a strange system, but I'll go along with it. The Ravens and Browns at 200, plus 200 each. The Bengals are at plus 210, which I'm told by this specific article on this subject 
is like right there. I mean, it might as well be the same thing. It might as well be like a three-way tie atop the division. They're all going to go like, I don't know, 10 and 7 or something. And then there's the Steelers, who are plus 800. Even without understanding gambling, I can tell you with conviction that if two of them are at 200, another is at 210, and the Steelers are miles back, they are seen as having virtually no chance or very, very limited chance of taking this division. Now, setting aside that absurdity, and I do see it as an absurdity because I do see the Steelers, as you and I are speaking right now, as having a very real chance to compete with any of these three teams, not just head-to-head, but overall. Some things still have to go right between now and the opener, but a lot of it now, as opposed to where they were about a month or a month and a half ago, it feels like not only that it could happen, but that it should happen. So just set aside the Steelers from this if you can, and ask yourself, who really is the favorite? Because DJ Reader of the Bengals really made his feelings known on that particular subject yesterday. This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by Point Park University. Choose from nearly 100 career-focused programs leading to bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees. Choose when and how you'd prefer to do that studying, whether it's at Point Park's gorgeous downtown Pittsburgh campus, whether it's online, maybe a flexible hybrid format would work best for you. Find out more about all of this at pointpark.edu. DJ Reader, for anybody who doesn't know, is a very good defensive lineman in Cincinnati. And he's kind of a funny guy, too, talkative, outgoing, and whatever else. And he had a press conference with the Bengals yesterday. And he said, among other things, in a rather lively and spirited session, the AFC North goes through us right now. Until someone comes and takes it, it goes through us. Okay. I'm not about to get into a you know a thing with a very large NFL defensive lineman. However, I have a thing about the phrase goes through us or goes through them. To me, that is most responsibly used by the team that wins its final playoff game. That, of course, in the NFL being the Super Bowl. All roads in the NFL for a very long time ran through Foxborough. In fact, the Patriots won so often that even in the years they didn't win, the expectations were so high and fairly so, and their consistency so great that you could make a real case that the road to the Super Bowl ran through Foxborough. Plus, you had a pretty good idea that at some point or other, there were going to be key games at Gillette Stadium. So you could even dispense with the symbolism and see that the road, at least through the AFC, ran through Foxborough. I've been up there. I've covered an AFC championship game up there. I know what that felt like for the Steelers themselves and their faithful. It felt like well, being honest here, an L waiting to happen. But it also felt like 
if your team were to somehow beat the Patriots, and there were a handful of teams that did that along the way over that unbelievable decade that they had, then you really did make it through the road to the Super Bowl. The AFC North, I'm always going to agree with people who describe it as being special, especially the participants themselves. Now, you will hear other coaches and players around the league say things like, you know, that's just, I mean, they even say it about the NFC East uh, based on, you know, black and white footage, but they do. That's NFC East football. That's just how it is. You don't hear as often that's AFC South football, but I'll digress. It is different. And I felt like over the course of 10, 15 years or whatever it was, that the Steelers and the Ravens earned the right to say that the road to the AFC North or winning the AFC North goes through either Pittsburgh or Baltimore. You know why? Because it did. Year after year after year times five. But how do I put this? The Pinkles didn't win the Super Bowl. The Bengals participated in the Super Bowl for the first time since Kenny Anderson was a lad. You don't claim the road if you just made a road stop, which is what they did. I'm not being a weirdo here. I'm not knocking the talent that the Bengals have. I do think they've lost some important players since last season, and that seems to be conveniently forgotten by a lot of people, not just in the Bators, but they do have Joe Burrow. They do have Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon. They have an offense. They've really built up their offensive line in the process. Didn't always show in the playoffs, but they've made additions even since that. But you don't hold the road. The road rights don't go to you. The AFC North is going to be, I believe, and again, I'm no better or whatever, I believe it's going to be something of a convoluted three-team race that does not even involve Cleveland. Because I believe that Deshaun Watson is going to get suspended for a big chunk of the season and that you're going to see the Browns take a hit that they can't absorb at the most important position. I also believe in John Harbaugh's ability to get the Ravens back to where they need to be when they aren't completely crushed catastrophically by injury the way they were the last, not just one year, the last two years. And I absolutely believe in the moves, the improvements, and all else that were made by the Steelers. The Betors tend not to get all that deep on these things. What happened in Pittsburgh? Ben Roethlisberger retired. Oh, there goes that. But I don't think anyone listening to this program would deny that the offense right now, right now, is better than the last offense that we saw out on that field in Kansas City. So, hey, isn't it the, the best thing about the AFC North is having conversations like this, though, because no matter how involved you are and how intricate and everything else, and I report on the team for a living and I'm digging for all kinds of little details and everything else here. Once you start talking about these four teams, it just really disintegrates in class. When we come back, just one question. 
This portion of Daily Shot of Steelers is brought to you by our friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located directly across Federal Street from PNC Park. They are the one, the only, the premier destination in Pittsburgh for craft beer. More than 500 craft beers available, more than 350 of those local, and more than 80 of those on tap. Mike's can't be topped, not for beer, not for the awesome kitchen and menu that's available, not for all the special events that are going on there. Check them out online at mikesbeerbar.com. Mike's Beer Bar, right across Federal Street from PNC Park. And today's J1Q comes from Tim, who asks, will Omar Khan have a role with the Steelers if he's not chosen to be their next GM? That, I believe firmly, will be way more on Omar than on the team. My own feeling is that Omar will stay because it's awfully late in the offseason to be jumping around and looking for a job at his level. Salary cap experts, not people who play them on TV, but the ones who are working for the NFL are holding some pretty exclusive jobs. There's 32 of them in the NFL. There's 32 of them, thus, in the world. And you're probably going to see, for a very long time in the league, most of those individuals, if not all, just kind of occasionally playing musical chairs, depending on whenever the person above them gets replaced or other changes are needed. In other words, Omar's going to have work for however long he wants it in his life, given what it is that he does. If you were the only person who knew how to build a certain part of a spaceship, rocket ship, you would, you know, you've got steady business coming your way. Now, that said, I'm going to give you a little bit of intel here. It won't exactly knock your socks off, but Omar really, 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 really wants to be and believes that he can be a good National Football League general manager. Omar is not and never has looked at his own capacity as being limited to counting cap space. Now, the problem with that is that most general managers don't fall into that category. Some do. Some have. And Omar has, in fact, gotten interviews around the league for that position. The one thing I feel obligated to throw in here, though, is that the Steelers have their own way of doing things. Remember when Kevin Colbert wasn't even the general manager? He was just the Kevin Colbert in the offices. There wasn't that title attached to him. So when you would ask someone the question, who is the Steelers general manager? It was like asking a trick question because there wasn't one. The position didn't exist. So they've always had kind of their own drumbeat with how they structure things, and that goes double for their front office. The reason I'm bringing this up is since I mentioned earlier this week on the show that Brandon Hunt is still my prediction, not necessarily my favorite. I haven't picked a favorite out of the 16 who've interviewed or for that matter, the six who've come back for second interviews. 
But I, as I mentioned earlier in the week, have a really hard time fathoming that with all of Hunt's firsthand experience right there at Kevin Colbert's shoulder for all those years and learning everything he did about Colbert's methodologies aside from his own area of expertise, meaning Hunt's, that being player evaluations, that being football evaluations, he's got an edge no one else can match. And that probably also includes Omar. But what if you take the two of them and just say, look, we're not going to have a GM again. We didn't have one for the longest time until Kevin came along. Kevin was here for 22 years, did his thing. And we're just now going to have a director of something, something football and a director of something, something salary cap. And they can work kind of as co this or that with one of them clearly having uh, a final vote to be cast. If that doesn't go to Mike Tomlin, you see where I'm getting at here? It's a different type of situation here. And I would not be surprised in the slightest if the Steelers didn't find a different solution for it, one that suits them and not necessarily outside perceptions of how that job should be divvied up. It's a really good question, man. I'm glad you brought it up. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We'll do another one of these tomorrow.